0: This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 111. Hey, everybody. And welcome to episode number 111 of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. We're a leadership development company devoted to helping you become the best leader that you can be. And if you want to learn more about our organization and what we do, you can go to l3leadership.org. If you're new to the podcast, we bring you three episodes every single month. One is always from our leadership events that we host throughout our city. Uh, one is an interview that I do with a high-level leader. And then once a month, you'll get a leadership lesson by me as well. If you've been listening for a while, thank you. Uh, we I, we do not take you listening for granted, and we appreciate you subscribing. And if you would just do us a favor and hop on iTunes and leave a rating and review for us, it does make a difference, and we just want to thank everyone who's done that so far. So before we jump into our t- talk for today, I just want to thank our sponsors, BAB Inc. They are an insurance broker, third-party administrator, and consulting firm in Pennsylvania and all across the country, and they host our monthly leadership breakfast. They are a phenomenal company led by my friend Russell Livingston, and uh, they really believe in developing the next generation of leaders. And that's why they're partnering with us. And it's such an honor to partner with them. And uh, again, if you have any insurance needs or want to check out what they do, you can simply visit their website at babbins.com. That's B-A-B-B-I-N-S dot com. So that being said, let's dive into the episode. This episode of the podcast comes from our breakfast series. We recently had Kimberly Gonchey director of the Metro Urban Institute at the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary Speak. And uh, Kimberly's talk was extremely encouraging and extremely challenging at the same time. She really challenged us to to examine ourselves and look at the privileges that we have that we probably take for granted and actually use our privilege to make a difference in the world. I think that you'll be really challenged by her talk and I hope um, that you'll not only learn something, but I hope that you'll act on what she talks about. I think it's extremely important. And again, this specific episode is her talk from the breakfast we also had a question and answer session that was great with her and that'll be in episode 112 for you to listen to if you listen to this and you'd like to connect with kimberly or what she's doing you can get all the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 111 111 and you can see everything right there so that being said let's just jump right into her talk and i'll be back at the end with a few announcements
1: hello good morning it is wonderful to be here today, all you morning people. <laughs> Not a morning person. <laughs> so, this is solely out of love. <laughs> but it's truly a, a, an honor to be here today with you. Um, I think it's an amazing work that Doug and his wife are doing um, for this Young Leaders um, Initiative um, with this breakfast. Um, so, my name is Kimberly. I'm the director of the Metro Urban Institute at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, um, located in, east, um, in the East Liberty area. And uh, I'm also the executive director of the LIV Foundation, which is an international gender justice organization. Um, we've had a busy summer. Um, this summer, I led a delegation of 14 to Kenya. That was in June. And we uh, had, what, six seminarians, um a journalist from the university of pittsburgh some folks from the heinz endowments as well as just a lot of community members and uh we had a fantastic time in kenya um advocating for the women and girls uh there within the samburu and maasai tribes alongside um their um leaders uh who do this on an everyday basis just undergirding the work that they do um came back to pittsburgh for about two and a half weeks and uh was uh, out to Trinidad and Tobago uh, for a conference there, the um, Transatlantic Roundtable on Religion and Race, um, an amazing conference which deals with um, the issues that are experienced, the challenges that are experienced by uh, those within the African diaspora as well as those who are still on the main continent. And so it's been a very rich um, and fulfilling summer. Um, And as this summer comes to a close, uh, it's just a beautiful time to be able to be here with you all today. So thank you so much for having me. Um, So my talk today, and I realize you've had, I've looked at some of the other people you've had here. Um, Some really good friends of mine have been here, actually. You had, what, Lee Critcher here last time? He's an amazing guy. Um, So it's truly an honor to be uh, taking the same stage, per se, as uh, some of the others that you've had here. Um, What I'm going to share with you today are really just... Um, some golden nuggets, um, takeaways, uh, life experiences. Um, some things can be taught. Others just have to be lived. And so um, I, I truly believe that we shouldn't waste our pain. We shouldn't waste uh, those experiences, and it's good to pass on uh, those things that we've learned. And so with that, I'm going to begin with authenticity, I know as a, as a young leader, especially, it's so easy just to see what the company culture might be in an organization or see the way that things normally go in an organization and just kind of fit your way into what's already taking place. Um, one thing I've learned is the importance of really being true to yourself. And when you do that, you'll really find a place of true freedom Part of being authentic um, and living a life of freedom is living into who you really are and realizing that who you really are, it's ever-changing. That which is healthy grows. And who you are at 22, I hope, is not the same person you are at 32. Um, Because we ought to be challenging ourselves enough to hear things that are different than what is the norm for us. And I tell you what, within Christendom, it is so easy just to stay within the bubble, go to worship, hang around the same people that look like us, talk like us, think like us. And it's easy to get caught up in this this bubble of existence and really not reaching outward. Um, and as we reach outward, I believe that we really discover that the world is so much bigger and it's so much greater than what we, think, that we, what we think we've actually figured out. And one misconception that a lot of Christians have is that we've figured it all out. That this is the way God does things. This is the, what the scripture says and means. And this is, this is it. And if we all knew that this is it, then I think we'd be like, we'd be God. Because none of us have it all right, not all together. There are some people that say that uh, if Jesus were to walk the earth today just to see how things are going, you know, kind of a preview to the second coming, that, um, that he wouldn't join a church. Because no church really has it all together. That we're all missing something. And I think it's okay for us to breathe and realize that that's okay. That we don't have, we don't have all the answers. Our theology, as much as we may think it's just right, probably isn't. <laughs> and that there's always room for growth. Those are sacred cows right there. <laughs> going down. Because that's often not what's taught in our churches. But I I truly believe that that that's truth. And when we can be okay with not knowing it all, um, I think that's where humility comes in. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, And as we allow ourselves the opportunity to grow and to learn and to uh, explore things that may be a little uncomfortable for us, I believe then we actually truly begin to to realize who we are. And so many times it's easy to fit into other people's paradigms for us, others' uh, expectations. Even some of our supervisors at work, their expectations of us. But I think that live an authentic life, we really have to live into what God has innately placed within us and be true to that. And oftentimes that's a huge risk. Because sometimes it may result in what I did. My background's in electrical and industrial engineering. Um, I worked in the automotive industry for 10 years. And um, as a Lean Six Sigma person, as a heck, even within the manufacturing site as a supervisor um, in different capacities. Um, but And I did my job well. But after a while, I found myself on what I said then the mission field on uh, doing international trips in relationship building. And uh, I was doing that every wake- waking moment I could get until it became glaringly obvious to me that social justice work, while I loved engineering and love it to this day, that social justice work was, really was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, how much do they pay when you do advocacy? <laughs> and if you work in, in any helps fields, it's not much. <laughs> and so it was a risk. It was, it's, it's always a risk when you live authentically. Because you don't know what the end's going to look like. But the thing is, is when we allow ourselves to live into who we are, providence is always there. God always has it there, or God wouldn't have put it in your spirit to do anyway in the beginning. And so I think when we live an authentic life, although we don't necessarily know what our next step is going to look like and how secure that next step is going to be, you know, God said, I'll be a a lamp into your footsteps. And that lamp, that, that light right there, it's just really that next step. You may not know all the steps down the road, But you can see that next step. And when God puts it in your heart to do, don't abandon those tugs. Um, Because they may be telling you something, something that you never even fathomed you to. But be true to yourself. Uh, Another thing I'd like to put out there is to know your innate privileges and to leverage them on behalf of others. Know your innate privileges and leverage them on behalf of others. Every single one of us in this room, we are chuck full of privileges as individuals. Some of it, it may be because you were born white. There is a huge privilege all throughout this world if you were born white. For some of us, it's that we are in a first world nation, and we have all the privileges that come with that. For some of us, it's because you were born a male. (laughs) There's privileges that come with that. It's important for us to know what our privileges are as an African-American woman, that my skin is lighter. There's privileges that come along with that that some of my darker, complected sisters, that they don't have because of biases within our society. And yeah, I like to talk about stuff that it may be a little controversial, because that's the world we live in. It's a hard world. But I think when we're real and true to ourselves and can see and admit that we have certain privileges, then we're truly living into what God would have us to live into. God doesn't give us gifts and talents and privileges just for it to be for us. It's for us so we can leverage it for others. That's why, you know, back in what 2006, I took a trip. Um, It was a fellowship I won through the seminary. It was a Valantour world travel um, fellowship. And I literally circled the globe in this trip, touching down on the most marginalized of the marginalized of women around the world th- that I had researched, at least, that intrigued me most. And uh, for me, as I did that trip especially, I saw women that they were so oppressed, but no one was screaming for them. No one was advocating for them. And I think that when, when, we are, when we're allowed to see certain things, we shouldn't be allowed to unsee them. I want that to settle in. Because as we're, uh, as we're given the opportunity to see things, especially to see people who can't advocate for themselves in some regards, our privilege itself signs us up for the task now mind you we shouldn't be spread thin advocating for every little issue there is but i think within our own hearts we know those things to which we're called we know those things that really tug at us one person once asked me what is it that bothers you the most what is it that frustrates you the most what is it that gets under your skin the most usually that particular area is where you're called to advocate and so as we look at the privileges that we have, we should not stand by and watch other movements or things go along, um, even the Black Lives Matters movement. I mean, there's something that everyone can do with the Black Lives Matter movement. It's just a matter of seeing what area do I occupy, what type of influence do I have, and then what can I do to make a difference? And I say Black Lives Matter not as a political statement. It's a human rights issue. It's a human rights issue. Another nugget I want to put out there is um, to stand up for right. Just because it's the norm doesn't mean that it's right. I work with um, the Samburu and Maasai tribes in Kenya, and there are centuries-old traditions that take place there, that the Samburu and Maasai themselves are beginning to say, this just ain't right. We got to do something about this. But it it took centuries of of women enduring some of these practices Um, and still enduring to this day. um, In the the Samburu tribe alone in Kenya, 90, almost 98% of Girls are undergo female genital mutilation um, in, the, in that area. And the thing is, is that uh, it took some really brave people to say just because this is the norm doesn't mean that it's right. Well, as I've done advocacy work, I've come to realize and it was really interesting, this group that I took over to Kenya with me this time because it's, it's wonderful when you can have a multiple sets of eyes looking at the same thing, but from their own different vantage points. And one of the observations was that it's easy to look at someone else's issues. You know, you can look and say, oh gosh, they're so backwards. Um, But that same ideal or idea holds true for every society. There are so many things that we do here in U.S. culture that is a norm that we don't question, because we've always done it this way, <laughs> that it, it's okay to challenge. And actually, some things are extremely healthy to challenge. They should be challenged. And that's why it behooves us, as Americans even, to get some folks from the global south. Sometimes we just look at ourselves, we're doing mission work, we say, which I'm, I'm trying to find better a better word for that. Because when you say mission, it's kind of truncated with "we are going to do for them," and that's never how relationships should be. Everyone has some something to offer. Um, everyone has resources. It may not be the same resources you have, but they're resources nonetheless. And it's a matter of entering into a situation and building relationship. And so I'm now trying to call my trips education trips, relationship building trips, um, as opposed to mission and the doing for, um, because we should be in relationship, equal relationship and coming to the same table. And yeah, you may have issues here, but we have issues there. And I say that because some of the greatest lessons I've learned about um, things that are normative here um, have come from my friends from around the world who have come to stay in our homes. I'll never forget, uh, I have a friend, Pastor James. He's uh, from Uganda, literally Uganda. And he comes and stays at uh, our home um, on a, whenever he's in the U.S. And his first time here, he says, all you Americans, you get into your cars and your garages and you roll your windows up. You back out of your garages and you drive down the street like this, not even waving to your neighbors. Then you go to work and you park your car in your little spot, and you go straight up to what? Your cubicle. (laughs) And you're all isolated and you're alone. And what are you doing? And then you call yourself a Christian? (laughs) Because in Uganda, the typical family has taken in orphans. There's not they don't really even need orphanages because the family say there's a kid who needs a home we've got a space and if we don't we'll make one every friend I have in Uganda has at least three to four orphans that live with them or if they're not orphans they, their parents are studying somewhere and they've said hey I will take your kids you go study but it's, it's, it's communal by the time you wake up you're, you've interacted with all these people who are not your immediate family You go outside your home and people are bustling in the streets. This room right here, you take our, you take our number and you multiply it by five sometimes. And that's the hustle and bustle you see in the streets. But people are greeting each other. They're interacting with one another and they're sharing the love of God with one another. And it's a beautiful thing. But sometimes, and here in the United States, we tend to have this idea that it's, you know, me and my Jesus and my personal salvation and all these things that tend to be personal. Where I don't know about our, I think our faith is, uh, more communal. And we can learn a lot of lessons from our friends, uh, from abroad. Um, and it's crazy because every other place in the, in the world, I mean, people are traveling there. They're learning, they know at least three to four languages, and you know, and we kind of sit here nice and pretty and think that the world should come to us and everyone should speak English. Um, But we'd learn a lot if we flipped that up over and uh, challenged ourselves to to be open and to learn and to be different than what the norm is here. One last thing I want to say regarding. Regarding the um, just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's right. It it would be good for us to evaluate different things, such as even gender roles or um, just racial roles. Um, I tell you, if if nothing else has provoked this country, it's it's, and I, I I'm not imagining. I don't have this utopia feeling that everyone here is a Republican or everyone here is a Democrat because we wouldn't be human if we were all one thing. I mean, it, that's, that's the beauty of humanity is that we think differently and that we, we, we work differently. Um, but it's just been interesting, just, uh, just the whole, just all that's going on in our society today um, with politics, with, with uh, human rights issues. Um, it, I think if nothing else, they challenge us to take a deeper look. Um, and to take a harder look. Um, because that, that's what living in tension is. Um, living in tension, living as a human being within community means that we're not going to think alike, but hopefully we can sit down and see how we can work together. Um, and that's, that's, the, that's really the bottom line, is how can we work together? Um, and uh, just a lot of prayers going forth for November. <laughs> uh, next nugget I'd like to leave is uh, reaching forward. And reaching back. Um, it's always easy when we're progressing um, in our careers to, uh, to look ahead and see you know what our five-year goals are, 10-year goals are, and all of that. But even as young leaders, oh gosh. Did you say the young leaders are what 25 to 35, Doug? Gosh. Okay, I'll be celebrating my 39th birthday uh, next week. <laughs> Gosh, okay. Um, sometimes it just is glaring in you in your face that you may not fit the something the demographic you think you should fit in. <laughs> but anyway, <sighs> um, no matter where you are in the course of life, it's so important that not only as you're thinking, reaching forward, that you're also reaching back. And uh, life can be so complex, you know. You're getting married you're having babies you know you got all these things going on you know deadlines at work and it's just tread ahead, head tread your head tread your head. and it's sometimes it can get so it can if it's not on your radar to do it's something that's always on the back burner oh I'm gonna do this soon I'm gonna do this soon but I think it's so important for us to intentionally make sure that we're reaching when I say reaching back that doesn't mean reaching down it just means reaching back to where maybe you've come from, or some uh, young people that may be good for you to pour into. Um, but it's it's really important for that to be on the forefront of our minds. Um, God has allowed each one of us to experience all kinds of different uh, growths um, and lessons learned and the bump in our heads and doing things, making mistakes. And as we make all those mistakes um, and learn from them, hopefully, it's always good to make sure that we're teaching those that are behind us that want to learn. Um, um but also but just making sure that we're mentoring. I just wanted to put that out there. Because it's again for me, even I, I just it's always something that's sitting right here. Just, I'm gonna do this, but um just being proactive and, and doing so, just as much as I'm proactive and reaching for that next goal that I have. Um one of the greatest lessons that um, if I haven't learned anything else in my life, is to live a life driven by faith and not by fear. Uh, When I look at... I just mentioned to you that I'm turning 39 next week. Um, But as I look at the first 34 years of my life, that's a long time. I really lived a life driven by fear. So many of my decisions were because I was afraid that this would happen. Or I was, and at the time, I didn't know it was driven by fear. I just thought I was doing the right thing, that I was just doing the right thing to live a holy life. Um, and so many times we can look at God as being this God that demands that we do it this way. And so we have to, and we're driven by these set of rules, which it's, I mean, by far, it's great to be driven by principles and values. I'm not saying that. But for me, I'll give some examples. Um, I grew up in poverty, and uh, which is why my initial um, profession was engineering. I'm like, I'm making some money, I'm getting out of here, (laughs) I ain't coming back. (laughs) And so uh, there was no way I was going to social service work or anything like that, they don't make any money. (laughs) But I was afraid of getting stuck in poverty. And so I made so many decisions just based off of not getting stuck. And while that's a great fuel um, to challenge oneself, um, I just made it, 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 it drove me though, and it, and it drove me to a place where it really wasn't healthy. I was afraid. And when you're afraid, you're really not living by faith. Um, sometimes that fear is good, it's a good unction to go in a certain direction, but it's, it's definitely not a place, a, a sentiment to live into. Um, I was afraid of a lot of things you know I, it, with, I, I saw people around me that were um, abused and uh, that drove me to make sure I did maybe make sure I was around these types of people I didn't even have friends that were bigger than me so, just because I, I just wanted to make sure that if uh, something went down that I could take them out <laughs> serious i'm serious i just i saw violence so much that i was always sizing somebody up and saying okay how can i how can i survive the situation you know that's what trauma do to you um i say that from my perspective but there's there's those of us i mean there's all kinds of perspectives that we have um that and things in our lives that that drive us uh, it could be the fear of uh success for some of us Fear of just rising up to who we know we really are. And so we just stay in this comfortable place and we don't come out of our box. But when we live a a life based off of faith, faith, you know, this little girl uh, from the projects on welfare, one day I came home to my mom and I may have shared this with you, Doug, um, and told her I wanted to be a foreign exchange student. And so I was in my sophomore year of high school. And she looks at me, laughs, and goes into the next room, goes into the kitchen. And, um, but I knew that, I knew I was called to the world. And although I had never left, really, I'd never, I grew up in Ohio, I really never left northern Ohio. Um, barely left my city, um, other than trips to Erie, Pennsylvania, where some of my extended family was. But I knew I was called to the nation's. And so uh, I began to bake cookies and do different things to raise money. Um, And when you live your life based off of faith, nothing's impossible. Literally, when the scripture says that nothing is impossible for the one who believes, that is so true. When God has put something in your heart, if you go after it with everything, God makes the way. You know, I believe, I truly believe that when we work as if everything depends on us and pray as if everything depends on God, both are true. Because we do the possible, God does the impossible. But oftentimes, providence doesn't come until we've done those possible things. So I was a foreign exchange student at uh, the age of 15. I lived for a year in Brazil. Um, left my family, who were still in the projects on welfare, no car. We had to get a ride to the airport. Um, but that happened. Um, to this day, even me taking my kids with me to Kenya. Oh, when I didn't mention that when I went to Kenya this year, you know, God showed me a vision back when I was uh, 19 years old. I was at Ohio University, and I saw this vision, and I was on a mission field. There's mission field. Yeah, I was I was somewhere international, building relationships and learning, and um, I had one kid that was running around with the other village kids, and I had one kid that was right here on my hip, and she was shy, and I could see that it was a girl, and I I could see her face, and she looked just like me, and that I had that vision that was 19 years old, over half a lifetime for me ago. Um, when I was faced with cancer, I knew that I, was, that I had a biological child, so I needed to do something uh, medically um, so that I could save my fertility uh, for my, to be able to bear children. And then that same vision came about um, because my kids, in this vision, they were kids, and my kids are six and eight. And we were in Kenya. We went to a Maasai village. And my son Jaden, he um, makes these, he's an origami master. This child can make anything out of paper. Literally anything I've seen at all. <laughs> um, but he made these little paper airplanes and he's throwing them around with the, with the other kids that are there in the village. And these kids are running all around. And here my daughter Zion, who can be shy in, in different situations like that, she comes right up to me and she's right here. And literally the vision that God had shown me behind my eyes was literally manifested before my eyes. And I held on to that vision. When I signed my kids up to go on this mission trip, I didn't know where that $6,000 was going to come from. But God provided it. And I just share that with you all, that God will put things in our hearts that we don't know how it's going to happen. But what what, what God demands of us is to do what you know to do. You may not know how the provisions are going to come. You may not know anything of how it's going to work out. But when you put that one foot out, it's not until you put that one foot out. Almost when you, when, It's not until you put yourself on a limb, where you're just dangling there, vulnerable. It's when God just lifts you on up and takes you to places you never even dreamed existed because you were willing to walk by faith. So I'll leave you with this. Love hard. Live passionately. And go after it all. Life is short. And it's meant to be lived on purpose. And at the end of the day, we will hopefully realize that it was not about us. And the truth be told, it never was.
0: everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Kimberly's talk. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you were challenged by it. And remember for ways to connect with Kimberly and what she's doing, you can simply go to the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 111 and you'll see everything you need right there. And again, the talk didn't stop here. We also had a question and answer session with Kimberly, which you can listen to on episode 112, uh, which is the next episode. And we hope that'll add value to you as well. I want to thank our other sponsor 068, which is a company that collaborates with ex-convicts and actually starts companies with them, which is unbelievable. And uh, my friend Daniel Bull, who has also spoken at our breakfast, uh, leads that organization, and they are transforming uh, people's lives through what they're doing. And you can learn more about their work at 068.org. All spelled out, that's 068.org. So again, if you want to stay in touch with what we're doing and connect with L3 Leadership, simply go to our website at l3leadership.org. You can sign up for our email list and get a free copy of my ebook, Making the Most of Mentoring, which is my step-by-step process for getting meetings with mentors that I hope will add value to your life. As always, I'd like to leave you with a quote. And this was a quote from the Global Leadership Summit that I was at a few weeks ago. And T.D. Jake said this, and I thought it was fitting for Kimberly's talk. He said, we limit ourselves to a tribal perspective but we have a global God. I'll say that again. He said, we limit ourselves to a tribal perspective, but we have a global God. And uh, I think we all need challenge to really step out of our comfort zone and engage with people that we may not engage with, who may not have the privileges that we have. And really just to make a difference and enter their world and see how we can actually help. And not just do to, as Kimberly was talking about, but actually do with uh, to make a difference. So I hope you were challenged by our talk. Again, thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I do not take it for granted. We appreciate each and every one of you, and we hope you have a wonderful, day. We'll talk to you next episode.